What's going on everybody and welcome to this NFL opening weekend edition of the Amatelikatelius podcast weekend of Friday, September the 9th, the year 2022. Lots to do, lots to talk about here on the first football Friday of the season. Recap the kickoff game between the Bills and the Rams here at the top of week one preview. Delve into some, delve into six matchups on the week one slate coming up on Sunday. Uh, that yours truly uh, has interest in, and we'll delve into that. And of course, I will pick all the Week One games across the uh, across the National Football League as the 2022 NFL regular season. Uh, one game in, but all but the uh, meat and potatoes of the schedule yet to be played two days away on Sunday later this weekend, and also a big weekend as far as Major League Baseball is concerned uh, with uh, with really three series. Rays and the Yankees as the Rays are less than five games out of first place. After a 15-game lead the Yankees had, they've been in free fall for about the past month and a, for the, throughout the month of August and uh, and, the, and the few weeks mixed in the back end of July and the first uh, full week here in September as the, as the Tampa Bay Rays are five games out. Uh, first place in the American League East. I will touch. I will touch and delve into that and preview that series. Braves are within striking distance of the Mets in the National League East, and not to mention a big time series, a big time interleague series this late in the season of uh, cross country. You know, two teams that you know ha- that have no natural rivalry, but it's going to be a, a very damn good series this weekend between the Braves and the Seattle Mariners coming up, uh, and the Mariners uh, in that in that other half of the series. Ties in with the American League wildcard update with them and the uh, Toronto Blue Jays with my Baltimore Orioles, you know, playing catch up four and a half games back with their season on life support after they did not bother to show up except for one game uh, against the Toronto Blue Jays earlier this week, uh, and on top of uh, getting their asses kicked by the. Uh, by the Oakland A's, who avoided a sweep way back on Sunday, which we will delve into that in the back end of our program. But for the majority of the show, it will be dedicated to the National Football League, and we will begin with the uh, game last night between the uh, Buffalo Bills and last season's Super Bowl champion <clears throat> L.A. Rams. Uh, before I delve into the game, let me just get a couple things off my chest, Okay. Yours truly has been a football fan, has been watching football, give or take for the better part of the last 15 years. Since I was about four or five years of age. I've been a football fan and have watched the NFL and have just been enamored with the with the with the sport of football, you know, as long since since the age of five. Baseball since the age of two, three, two, two two to three years of age. Football a little bit later. I it was a little bit late. I was later to the party with football than I was with baseball. But I've been a passionate, diehard football fan uh, for the better part of the last fifteen years or so. And what I can say is that last night, for the first time uh, that I can remember, that me being a young twenty-year-old. Uh, it's the first time where I were watching an NFL, not a preseason game, not a preseason game, not a game that my team was playing and they were bad. No, the first time where I didn't have a dog in the fight where the game mattered. 
last night, and I'm not even in, talking about the bad Super Bowls, Patriots, Rams, uh, um, Bucks, Chiefs, uh, Broncos, Seahawks. Not even talking about that. But last night, from my personal vantage point, was the first football game that was hard to watch from be it was hard to watch from beginning to end. And those of you that listen to the show, those of you that know me, know the reason why. First off, it almost it almost had a weird feeling of deja vu. I don't know well, I know why. It was because the Rams were playing in the game. The Rams were playing in the game wearing the same uniforms they wore in the Super Bowl. In the same building, same team, same uniforms on the same network, NBC with the with their new and I don't like the new NBC broadcast graphics, just my personal just my uh, just my personal prerogative. I like the old ones, the old the old score bug that would stretch across the screen and the and the old graphics that they had from Super Bowl Fifty Two to the uh, Rams Bucks game divisional round back in January. I like those a whole hell of a lot better than I like than than the current ones that they have. But uh, but I you know I see the I see the score bug I see the Ram, I see the Rams logo on it and it's like I see them on the field I see the white uniforms and it's like my you know it's 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 you, you have as a Bengals fan you sit back and you have flashbacks and it's like oh my god and it's like part of you it's it's like you gotta have to like shake yourself because it's like it's a new game different team new season and it's like you're watching it and you feel like you're watching the Super Bowl all over again. So it, it so it which is which was very weird and just very strange. on top of the fact, you know, and, and I and listen, I I I love I won't say love, but I'm I am a fan of Collinsworth. I like the I like the 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 the, the, the like the celebrity the celeb the, the added celebrity and the added extra pop culture attention that he gets from the Collinsworth slide in the booth to the now here to when he says now here's a guy you know with that you know I, I so I, I you know I and the fact that you know every single time he, it's a it's a Sunday night game or you know or it's an MB, or NBC's um or NBC's doing the game you know, it's seeing Collinsworth's name trend on social media, which, which is basically, you know, it's like the drinking game. Every single time it's a Sunday night game on, and Collinsworth's name is trending, or there's every tweet that comes across the Twitter timeline with with just the name Collinsworth in the tweet. You know, take a drink because it's, because it's like clockwork. Like that train is never late. Even when when the uh, when they had the Hall of Fame game, like on August second, whatever day it was, when they when he and Tariqa were in Canton doing a Raiders Jaguars, and Collinsworth's name was trending. It was it was like you know football season's back because Chris Collinsworth's name's trending on Twitter. So I so I like Collinsworth in that aspect. 
But good Lord, I mean, he just would not shut the hell up about the Super Bowl. It was every single five It was either a reference to the Super Bowl, breaking down a play that the Rams made, or it was, well, you know, coming off the Super Bowl, you know, McVay and Stafford or... Or Cooper Cup, like he like like he's still in the Super Bowl. Cooper Cup, you know, he's still he's playing the same way he was the last time he played a game in this building. Referencing, so either he was referencing a Super Bowl, or he out loud was just bringing up Super Bowl Fifty Six from seven months ago. And it's like you're sitting there as a Bengals fan. It's like Chris, 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 shut up, okay. And Chris Collins versus a Bengal. That's the ironic thing about it. And you sit back and you say to yourself, Chris, 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 Chris. The Super Bowl was almost seven months ago. All right? The Rams have moved on. They're playing in a they, uh, they, the, the new season. Rams have moved on. The Bills have moved on. It's a new season. New season, seven months later. New season, clean slate. All right? We don't need to rehash the Super Bowl for the 9 millionth time in the last seven months. Like, we don't know what happened. Like, we don't know Cooper Cup went nuts. Like, we don't know Matthew Stafford with the arm talent and him and the Cooper Cup connection and Aaron Donald. Like, like we already, like we don't already know that. We know it, Chris. Us Bengals fans had to be reminded of it ad infinitum for the last seven months. All off season long. Okay? Been there, done that. We we got we literally have the T-shirt. We have a T-shirt that says AFC champions on it, not Super Bowl champions. And Collinsworth on on a Thursday night just went on and on and on and on and on. Just would not shut up about the Super Bowl. Chris, enough. Shut up and let's move on, please. My goodness gracious. And then, and then Mike Tirico started doing it a little bit, and then here's NBC. You know when we're showing the when we're showing the the the, the role to shout out our sponsors coming out of the break. We got to sit up here and, and look at and look Super Bowl ring with a microscopic camera view, like we haven't already seen what the ring looks like in the last seven months. And here it is. We got to go to a break. We got to see with, with you know, shouting out the sponsorships with Bud Light. Bud Light, we got to show a replay of a play that's seven months old. Cooper Cup saucing up Eli Apple in the back of the end zone. I mean, it's it's just enough. If if, if, if you're like me and was a Bengals fan watching that, watching a game last night, God bless you. Cause that that watching the game last night was not an easy task from as a Bengals fan. It wasn't. It very rough. Matter of fact, I made it. I made it my business. I made sure intentionally that I did not turn the TV on until the ball had um, until the opening kickoff. I made I made it my business not to not to turn NBC on until literally. The team that had that, that that got the first possession was about to line up to take the first snap. Literally, I hand on hand on heart, hand to God, I am not making that up. Didn't watch any of the pregame, none of the preamble stuff with them unveiling the with them unveiling the banner. I didn't see Dwayne Rock Johnson. I didn't none of that. OBJ and Andrew Whitworth over the over the mic revealing about didn't see any of that. And didn't and didn't want to see any of it on purpose. 
Cause I I I can't. Cause a I know it's going to get a ton. I was going to get a ton from it heading in during the game. Not to that extent, but I knew I was going. I was going to be reminded a little bit during the game. And I and I knew and I knew that that why why subject yourself to to more pain. You know you know what's going on the other side. Why if you know that you're scared of scary movies, why would you sit down and willingly watch a scary movie when you know good and well you you can't handle it and you're going to get and, you get, and you're going to get scared to death. So I, I literally did not turn the game on until until the opening kickoff. Now that I got that that out the way, let me get to the game itself. The Buffalo Bills, despite everything I said earlier this week about the fact that I can't, and I do, and I still cannot take there. Listen, separate these two things. The Buffalo Bills are a damn good football team. The Buffalo Bills are a Super Bowl contender. The Buffalo Bills could be great for a long, long time. That is all true. That is all accurate. Do not get it twisted. The Buffalo Bills are going to be a damn good football team. They are going to be a damn good football team. They're forced to be reckoned with in the AFC, and they are a Super Bowl contender, as very well they should be. The thing that I went nuts about is that I cannot take the national media, and you know who you are on ESPN, Fox, NFL Network. I cannot take the constant hype train with the Buffalo Bills. All of a sudden, you got all these, the the the, the uh, all these Buffalo. Bandwagon Buffalo Bills fans coming out the woodwork and picking the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl as if they're God's gift and picking the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl because if you don't, you're committing football uh, heresy. That I can't take. And basically discrediting and dismissing the fact that the Bengals, unlike Buffalo, have beaten Kansas City in Kansas City in the playoffs and and the head coach slash the quarterback is 2-0 and in road playoff games. Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, as I mentioned earlier in the week, McDermott is 0-4, counting the 2017. I understand they were just happy to be there thanks to the Andy Dalton 4th and 12th, but McDermott's 0-4 if you count the 2017 wildcard loss to Jacksonville when he had Tyrod Taylor behind center. Josh Allen is 0-3. He has lost to Kansas City. He's lost to Kansas City twice, and he lost to the Texans in overtime in the 2019 wildcard round. Don't just go on emotion and go on the hype and go on because it sounds good because because the fan base, because it's a good fan base, it's a nice fan base. They jump through tables, they eat buffalo wings and and uh, and and they set themselves on fire when they jump through tables and all the goofy shit, and 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 they lost the four Super Bowls in the ninety. No, go off the facts, the data, and the statistics. The Bengals have beaten Buffalo, or excuse me, have beaten Kansas City in the playoffs on the road. Buffalo has not. The Bengals have won playoff games on the road. Buffalo has not. The Bengals have been to the Super Bowl. Buffalo has not. But having said all of that, the Buffalo Bills are a damn good football team. Whipping, just absolutely just dominating the L.A. Rams with a 31-10 victory. And I thought 
when the game, when I thought when the game was, I was a little nervous because I was like, oh, God, Buffalo, I mean, you guys should be beating them, you know, 14, 17, 20. Like, you guys should be, this should be a route before halftime. And your and your mistakes and your turnovers are keeping Buffalo in the game. The one interception Josh Allen made, and I've said this ad infinitum. I've been I've been kicking and screaming from the rooftops about this. There needs to be, and I don't know who you know whether it's the Elias Sports Bureau, the NFL itself. There needs to be a stat where an intercept they either need to need they either need to give it a different name or charge an interception to a wide receiver because the because the interception Isaiah McKenzie should have caught the ball that was right in the chest right in between the numbers and McKenzie couldn't hold on to it so you can you can't put that you cannot put that on um uh you can't put that on Josh Allen because Allen put the ball perfectly right in between the numbers like you're, like, like, like you're taught to and like he practiced all throughout training game and McKenzie couldn't, couldn't catch the ball. So, And I've been screaming about that for years, years. They need to come up with a stat where you charge the interception to the wide receiver, not the quarterback. Because Josh Allen couldn't put the ball any better and McKenzie couldn't hold on to the ball. And you thought, of, oh boy, you know, when you thought that Buffalo was 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 going to uh, was going to march down the field fourteen nothing, and McKenzie couldn't catch the ball, and then it's like, okay, now the Rams are in business, and then the Rams who cannot run the ball whatsoever. I mean, they they, they the Rams, and this is the thing that might make me a little bit nervous about them, you know, besides their offensive line, they cannot run the football. They couldn't really even run. They couldn't even really run the football. And the back end of last season. Remember, Cam Akers nearly fumbled the game away against Tampa. And the Bengals stopped the run all night in the Super Bowl. So the thing that would worry me from a Rams perspective is the is their inability to run the football. They are not a good they are not a good team on the ground. They're not. They combined for 52 yards on the ground. Henderson, 13 carries, 47 yards. Cam Akers got three carries. What? That's And that's another thing. Where was Cam Akers? Where was Cam Akers? And where was Allen Robinson? Allen Robinson got thrown one pass, was targeted twice, only caught one ball. I mean, I and listen, I understand Cooper Cup is all world. I understand Cooper Cup, triple crown winner, all pro, pro bowler, uh, you know, ex- wide receiver extraordinaire. And if he keeps up at this rate, first battle, Hall of Famer. But my goodness gracious, Coop, it's, 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 it's the same thing with Rodgers with, with Devontae Adams in the playoff game last year. You know, he's not, just because he's just because he's great and he's talented and he brings so much to your offense in the passing game doesn't mean that he's the only wide receiver that you clue in on. And he's the only player that Matthew Stafford should throw the ball to. You know, I mean, granted, thirteen receptions, targeted fifteen times, one hundred twenty-eight receiving yards, and one touchdown catch. Great, fantastic. We know how great Cooper Cup is. What about Allen Robinson, who you signed? Allen Robinson can't get any targets. Rarely was on the field and only got thrown to twice. 
was thrown to twice and only got one reception. Why was that the case, Sean McVay? Why was that the case? Well, why was that? Why was Allen Robinson only being thrown to twice the case? And why was Cam Makers, who you guys were devastated, devastated, heartbroken last training camp in 2021 that he was going to be out for the majority, you, you thought at the time, the entire season with the torn Achilles? You force feed him the ball in the Tampa Bay game, and all he does is fumble the football. I grant, I get it, fumbles happen, but new season, new. It wasn't like you know last year he had to rehab, recover, and kind of like rush himself back into action because you guys were in the middle of a playoff run. Didn't have time for you guys to fart around and you have you know Cam Akers have the bad game and it's like oh well you know we got next week. No, you got to win in order for you to have a next week. I'm not saying the Rams necessarily should treat it like it's preseason, but my God, you know it's week it's week one of eighteen. Your season is not lost if you lose week one. Don't matter who you are, you can be, be the Bills, the Rams, the, the 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 Chiefs. No matter who you are, you lose week one unless you have a unless one of your star players on the team has a season-ending injury. It ain't the end of the world, losing losing the first game of the season. It's great if you win the first one, but it's it's not it's not the end of the world. Rams are, you know, people are, oh well, the Rams Rams have flaws. The Rams on paper are are not going to be nowhere near as good as last year's team was, but the Rams going to be fine. They're playing a bad division, the Seahawks stink. The 49ers are good, but I I can't trust Trey Lance as far as I can throw him. Uh, and the and and the Arizona Cardinals can't get out of their own damn way. With this collapsing in the, in the back end of the season, you got DeAndre Hopkins going to be out the first six games uh, with the PEDs, and then Kyler Murray up and down like a roller coaster as is his head coach. But if you're the but having said all that, if you're the Rams, there is no excuse why Cam Akers got three carries last night. No excuse why Allen Robinson only got two targets last night. It can't be all the Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup show. It can't be because eventually defense is, is going to get to a is going to be game plan against you to the point where they're going to make you run the ball with Cam Akers, and when you throw it, they're going to make you throw it to Allen Robinson. OBJ, you know, it's not on the team anymore. So what are you going to do? Got to be able to run the football. You got to throw to some other guys. And the Rams' young and inexperienced offensive line, oy vey, they got sacked seven times, Matthew Stafford. 29-41-243 interceptions. Was god-awful in the game. And I understand, won the Super Bowl, so he kind of so shot me up for seven months. He's a good player. Good, not great, not a Hall of Famer. I, I don't want to you know overreact to the first game, but... What I saw last night just reaffirms, like, hey, Matthew Stafford is talented. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's a pro bowler. But at the end of the day, is he in the same conversation with the Allens, the Mahomes, the Rodgers, the Bradys? Hell to the no. That's all all I'm going to say. He's not in that upper echelon of the quarterbacks in the National Football League. 
Albeit he's, 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 he's a Super Bowl champion, albeit the game-winning drives, albeit the, 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 the arm strength and the arm talent. He's just not on that level. Never has been and never will be. He's not a Hall of Famer. Unless somehow, someway, he wins one more, if not two more championships. But as of this moment, not a Hall of Famer. He did. And I don't mean to make this my Matthew Savage Hall of Fame candidacy, but he just wasn't good in the game. And I tell you, all you people out there, and I hate to make it about the Bengals, but I will, and then I'll get to the Buffalo, and then we'll be on our merry way. You know, Stafford got sacked seven times. And, and, and he turned over the football three, and his team lost by 21 points. You know, Joe Burrow, I, th- I believe he got sacked seven times. And Super Bowl, I have to go back and look. And I know for a fact he got sacked ten times in the Titan game. I don't want to hear not a not a word, not a peep, not a murmur, not not any not any mindless gobbledygook, uh, uh, cycle babble about Joe Burrow being overrated. Overrated, my ass. Joe Burrow gets sacked seven times. He brings his team to the doorstep of winning games, winning the Super Bowl. Gets sacked ten times, he wins the playoff game. Matthew Starry gets sacked seven times. And his team, he and his team, in their own building, banner-raising night, don't even show up. So don't sit up here and give me one. Joe Burrow's over it. No, he's not. Joe Burrow literally gets, can get put on his ass. He won a playoff game and got sacked. How many quarterbacks you know in the National Football League can get sacked ten times and still win and still find a way to win a game? I heard a lot of that this offseason too that I forgot to mention. That I'm also tired of. But if you're the Rams, got that offensive line has to improve, has to get better, um, and they got to be more, and they also got to be more diverse with their offense. It cannot be the Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup show. And and that's all she wrote. Got to be able to run the football, get Cam Akers off his ass, be able to run the football. When you pass it, you got to be able to spread the wealth. You got to be able to spread the wealth. Any good offense in the National Football League and that, that's ran well and scores a lot of points, moves the ball up and down the field, they, their quarterback and, their, and with the offensive play calling and the way in their play design, they know how to spread the wealth. They know, how, they know how to be a balanced offense, mix up the run and the pass. And when they do pass it, they know how to get everybody involved. Sure, they'll be that player that'll take over a game because they're that good compared to their teammates, but you got to be able to spread the wealth. You have to. As for the Buff, as for the Buffalo Bills, they have just been just an absolute. They were they were outside of outside of a, a few mistakes. You know this other the other interception by Allen which was sloppy. I mean, they, again, they could have put up 40, 50 points on the Rams had not been for their, had not for them coming out the gate. Outside of the opening drive, they were, looked like, their opening drive literally looked like they picked up right where they left off in the Chief game. It, it, the, the way that they operated on that opening drive, Allen and company, and Gabriel Davis, they looked like literally the Bills, they lost the game, I forget what day in January that was, they lost the game that January to Kansas City. They ha- they treated like a normal week off in between games. They had the week off, and then they played the Rams the following week, and it was right in, was right back to where they left. Literally, the offense has been, and I'll find you the stats, the offense literally has not skipped a beat. 
I saw it early. I saw it earlier today. I'm gonna go back and find and find it here. Their offense really has not skipped the beat. They have been that damn good and that dominant and and just that talented. Where where it literally does not look like that 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 it was that it's been seven that it's been seven and a half months since their last game. They were that electric last night. And had it not been for a couple of mistakes early, they would they would have put up forty plus points. I mean, Josh Allen. I mean, what a threat! He, I mean, what a threat he is. You know what? You know what Josh Allen was like. He reminds me of he's Cam Newton with a he's Cam Newton with a better arm, with a better arm, with with as far as arm strength and better accuracy. That's what he is, and and that's not an insult against Josh Allen. Y'all forget Cam Newton's one was one of. It was at at a point in time not too long ago one of if not the best uh, uh, players, quarterbacks in all of football won the MVP twenty fifteen. So that's a, that that is a and he's and he's built like Cam Newton too tall and and weighs and weighs over two hundred twenty five pounds. I mean that is a lean, mean, uh, just clean cut two hundred forty pounds. Josh Allen weighs at six five six six. I mean, he is a beast. He is Cam Newton with a better arm. That's what he is. The way tackling him like Cam Newton back in his prime, one of the hardest things to do as from as a, from an opposing defense standpoint, one of the hardest things to do is was tackling Cam Newton. One of the hardest things to do if you're a defense in 2022 is tackling Josh Allen. Big, strong, hard to bring down, and hard to slow down his momentum. Once, once, once he, once he, once he hits a stride running the football, and then throwing it, forget it. Threw for two hundred and ninety-seven yards, twenty-six of thirty-one, three touchdown passes. Stephon Diggs, eight, eight receptions, one hundred twenty-two yards, and a touchdown on nine, on nine targets. Gabriel Davis, four receptions, eighty-eight yards, one touchdown catch. And if you, and if you want to know how dynamic the Buffalo offense has been as of late, go back to Week Sixteen. Back, go back to Week Sixteen. December of last year, the punt totals for the Buffalo Bills. They punted zero times in week 16, zero times in week 17 against the Falcons. Only They punted seven times in their regular season finale against the Jets, zero times when they beat the crap out of the Patriots in the wild card round, punted only four times against Kansas City, and I think all four of those times might have been off the top of my head, just thinking, you know, I believe off the top of my head those four times came in the second half. I'm not positive, but I believe those four times came in the second half, and they punted zero times last night against the Rams. They, in their last six games, four of them, 16-17 against the Pats and the Falcons, albeit, Zero times against the Patriots in a playoff game, and last night against the Rams, zero times. Only team having four games with zero punts since the start of last season, which is absolutely which is absolutely ridiculous. And there was another stat that I saw too. That was interesting. That I'll give you here before the break. Um, let me see if I can find it. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Because what the Buffalo Bills offense has has been doing uh, for the you know for the last few games has just been absolutely just sensational. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, 
Well, uh, I think it was the one on Gabriel Davis. Here it is. Um, Gabriel Davis, last 11 catches, including the playoffs. Touchdown, touchdown, 70-yard catch for a first down. Touchdown, 28-yard first down catch, 12-yard first down catch. Touchdown, touchdown, a little 5-yard catch. And then next two catches, 10-yard first down catch, 47 first down catch. He is another one. Hadn't skipped the beat as well. Rams start the season 1-0. and The team that will face them next week and will have a nightmare time trying to stop them. Their home opener, week 2, Monday night, against the Tennessee Titans. Good luck, Tennessee, trying to stop this offense. They are that damn good. And even then, defense will be getting after Stafford seven times. And boy, and, and outside of Josh Allen being the Buffalo Bills starting quarterback, you know what the other difference maker was for Buffalo? The fact that Von Miller was on the was on the Bills sideline and not the Rams. Because he had a field day last night. A field day. So that gets us started here on this week one program. Plenty to do, plenty to talk about. Week one preview of National Football League is up next. The Yamatelic My God. The Yamatelic TIS podcast continues. Don't go away. Welcome back to the um, Yamatelecatiyas podcast. Switching gears now to the rest of the week one action across the National Football League. Six games, because uh, it'd be all night breaking down all of them. Uh, and some of, and let's be honest, some of the games on paper aren't even that very good. Um, so we'll give you the six games here, and we'll take a break, and then go to, uh, and then pick these games, and then get on to some baseball. Uh, the six games we'll go through them one by one: Bengals, Steelers, Patriots, Dolphins, Chiefs, Cardinals, Raiders, Chargers, Packers, Vikings, Bucks, Cowboys. We will begin with my Bengals taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Bengals are coming off of, as you well know, a Super Bowl season that was that was surprising and unpre- and unprecedented and and just really just something. It really was a remarkable and just an amazing, uh, crazy season. Um, the defending AFC champion, NFL runners-up, uh, Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl uh, losers. Unfortunately, as they're trying to uh, do what only the 
2000 it's only it's happened a rare than you it's it's not common but you don't have to go that far back to the last team uh to go back to the Super Bowl and win it after losing it the previous season uh and that was the 2019 New England Patriots who lost who lost of course uh no excuse me the 2018 New England Patriots um, who lost Super Bowl, who in the previous year's team, 2017, lost Super Bowl to the Philadelphia Eagles and then made it and then won their division. Uh, didn't get the number one seed, were the two seed they, in 18. The Kansas City was the one seed. Uh, in 2018, they got the buy. They this is of course when the first two seeds had to, had the uh, buy to the divisional round, and uh, beat the living. Cr- I mean that game was over by halftime. Embarrassed, uh, Philip Rivers and the Chargers in the second round, and then went on uh, to Kansas City in the championship game and beat the Chiefs in that uh, in that in that thrilling over in that thrilling overtime uh, against them. And then beat the uh, Rams in a snooze fest in Super Bowl Fifty Three two weeks later. Uh, hopefully, the Bengals will follow, will uh, copy the Patriots' fate and making it back to the Super Bowl and hopefully beating the Rams to do it. at least for my personal, for for me personally. I don't know about all the other Bengals fans out there, but for me, I would now if they go back and they beat the Packers, they beat the Bucks, they if the Eagles. And some ridiculous chance they make it, they beat the, uh, and I will still appreciate it and love it all the same. But uh, it would mean a little bit more extra, mean a little bit more to me if they go back, play the Rams, and beat the Rams and avenge last season's defeat uh, by going back to the Super Bowl. And you know, and I and I don't want I don't want to put the jinx on them because, but I am I, I am annoyed at the fact that at the fact that my team has gotten so little love and so little respect and recognition from the National Football League. I, and this will be a thing with me all season long. They, You know what they are? They are the Rodney Dangerfield of the NFL this season. I, I no respect, no respect at all. I mean, so I, so I will play that angle until I will play that angle all season long because they, in a national spotlight, they really have not gotten the respect that they deserve being the team that, again, came within an eyelash of beating the Rams, and they would be Super Bowl champions, and they would have been playing last night rather than uh, rather than Sunday afternoon. But having said all of that, they host the Steelers uh, week one at Paul, at, excuse me, at a Paycor Stadium, which, which is going to be weird, you know. I, I and I and listen, I am not. I don't like the name changing of Hines Acrochris. I don't even know how to pronounce the damn thing. Acrochure, Acrochire Stadium, whatever it is. To me, it will always, 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 always. And I am not a Pittsburgh. I'm not a. I and I can't stand the Steelers, and I am not a Yinzer. But for somebody that is that has that I you know I live in an AFC North town, so the amount of Steelers game you know I see about between the Ravens and the Bengals I see you know you know uh, throughout my life I've seen about God knows how many Steelers games a year. It's Heinz Field to me. I uh, so I at least and I I'm a Baltimorean. I'm a Bengals fan. But I still hate the Steelers. It's Heinz Field. I'll still call it Heinz Field. But and I'm for the Bengals, son. And I thought they would, you know, go a little bit more, uh, 
you know, now maybe this one that might be a little more cost efficient on the Bengals part of things. I'm not sure, and I really don't even care to break that down. I thought they'd, you know, go PNG Stadium or Old Spice Stadium or, you know, because the or go with any of the Fortune 500 companies who that are headquartered out of Cincinnati. I thought they would go on. I thought that, you know, the mainstream ones that we've heard of, I thought they would, they, I thought that they were going, excuse me, that they were going to do that. It looks like that's not going to be. It looks like that's that's uh, not going to be the case, but um, but having said but having said all of that, um, uh, they will. Uh, they are now in a playing in a newly named, um, uh, newly named Paycor Stadium, but they are hosting the Steelers. The Bengals are riding a three-game winning streak against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, of course, dating back to that Monday night uh, upset. Uh, when the Bengals season was uh, in the toilet and they had to start Ryan Finley at quarterback that Monday before Christmas and the Steelers came in there uh, and just absolutely embarrassed himself and the Von Bell hit against Juju smith Schuster when he tick-tocked on the logo and the team has been essentially a different foot. Both teams have gone in opposite directions and have been totally different football teams since that game on that Monday night back in December of 2020. The Bengals, of course, swept Pittsburgh last year. Uh, they beat them, I, uh, I think, and this is without looking it up, they beat them in week three. When they uh, when they went to Heinz Field and the Steelers were just were they their off their defense held strong as long as they possibly could but their offense was not a factor. Big Ben tripping and falling all over himself, uh, and, and on the high on the Heinz Field uh, side, literally tripping over himself, dropping back the pass, and they absolutely and the Bengals absolutely dominated Pittsburgh in that game. And then they played each other, uh, and then they played each other later in November. Where the Steelers were just were just as bad, if not worse. Joe Burrow ran for a touchdown pass, went crazy. Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, hole nine. Mike Hilton, the former Pittsburgh Steeler, had a pick six against his uh, against his former team that essentially put the game on ice. Um, so Cincinnati is looking to try to make it three in a row against their hated rivals from uh, from Pittsburgh. It'll be a Mitch Trubisky's. Uh, Pittsburgh Steeler uh, debut behind center, um, uh, so which will which will be a little which will be very different to see at least for me because Ben Roethlisberger has been if not, has been the primary if not the sole reason why at least prior until last prior until that uh, Monday night game in 2020 why the Steelers had had the Bengals number he is no longer with him of course retired now is not going to. Um, is not going to, uh, you know, it's going to be a different team with ben, without Ben Roethlisberger under center, him uh, living the retired life. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Bengals defense goes up against Mitch Trubisky. I've heard a lot of talk saying, well, the game will be, the Bengals will win the game, but it will be closer than you think because both teams are still shaking out the cobwebs. I don't think that'll be the case. I think the Bengals are just are just as sick and tired of hearing the uh, the Buffalo Bills this Buffalo Bills that it was a fluke they, you know they're not for real you know they're not going to be here to stay Joe Burrow overrated I think they're just a, they're, I think they're just as sick of hearing all that stuff as us as us Bengals fans are and uh, and you know like I said with Super Bowl loss if if the fans are just as passionately annoyed by it and we're just fans imagine how the players players and coaches feel about it and they actually are in the sausage factory making the sausage 
we just have an opinion on once the sausage is made and what and we get to basically say whether or not we like it and and you know and we cheer cheer on and and, and endorse and endorse the company based on based on the good sausage that they produce well they're actually well they're in the in the in the lab in the factory making the sausage and you know if the fans are upset you know the players are going to be just as piffed and just as and just as upset and and, and ticked off um, so I, I think the Bengals will be ready to play. I do not count that. I do not. Super Bowl hangover, I know it exists. And I'm not saying that the Bengals won't have their struggles this season and won't have and won't, you know, go 17-0. and I'm not saying that. But I think the, 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 the over, the uh, Super Bowl hangover, I do not think will be a thing with this team. Uh, you know, the Rams... It was a little different because they won, and they're and they're not as good this year compared to last year. You know they, uh, you know, and it's not a situation where the Bengals, you know, they had the, they had this progress this process where they built up, built up, built up, built up. You know, getting trying to get to the Super Bowl, they get there and then they lose, and then it's that big letdown because this was supposed to be a season where they won and they weren't able to cash in. No, if anything, the Bengals were a year early, a year early in their schedule for them to try to compete and win a championship. They got there and they did not do so. So this team, I feel, not just with this game with Pittsburgh, but all season long, will be hungry. They'll be ready to go. They'll be feisty. They'll play a little bit. They'll play with a chip on their shoulder. They'll play a little bit. Pissed off with the idea that not everybody that that they've heard. I I guarantee they've read they've read the quotes, they've read the articles, they've seen everybody in their mother's Super Bowl predictions, and they've and they've heard all the predictions on people on television, and nobody's picking. And, and I I don't I don't think there may be one or two people, but for the but for the majority, nobody is picking them to make it back to the Super Bowl, let alone win it. And I think they will internalize that, take the Michael Jordan approach. Okay, I took that personally. Write it down. Make a little mental note in the head. Nobody expected us to be there. Okay, fine. We'll show you. And then they'll go out there and have a monster and have a, a monster of a season, which I believe Cincinnati Bengals will. And I think with Pittsburgh, you know, it's important for Cincinnati to prove to Pittsburgh that listen, the t- the tides have turned for real this time. It wasn't us just beating you because Ben Roethlisberger is an old was an old has been, you know. Where in his career, he was still playing, you know, five hours after the clock had struck in midnight on his uh, on his prime Hall of Fame ability behind center. They the Bengals got to go out there and prove to Pittsburgh that hey, whether it's Roethlisberger, whether it's Trubisky, whether it's Mason Rudolph, or whether it's soon to be Kenny Pickett. When it comes to this little rivalry, we got we got we got some as Shannon Sharp said, we got some restitution. We 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 got against y'all for for kicking our hind parts up and down the field all these years. We 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 want our revenge. We we want our we want our payback. We're we're here to show y'all that we're that we're now are we here to stay as far as compete for Super Bowl. We're here to stay within this division to make sure that every single time we play and go up against each other, we're your own worst nightmare. And I think now, I think what would concern me a little bit uh, is that J.J. Watt, he didn't play in the first game. He played each other at Heinz last September, and he was very, and he was limited. Didn't play the entire game that they played at Paul Brown Stadium uh, last November. 
So, and, and, but granted, the thing that kind of is the great equalizer that kind of makes you feel better from a Bengals perspective, from a Bengals standpoint, is that they got a, is that, is that they got a revamped offensive line. They revamped the offensive line, went out, spent money back in March in the offseason, and this team's going to be ready. And I think if you're Pittsburgh too, not only do you have to worry about Jamar Chip, and their secondary will be, will be solid. Mega Fitzpatrick and the whole crew. Thing I work, that would concern me about Pittsburgh is stopping the run. You know, the Bengals and the thing that would scare you about the Bengals offense, um, the thing that that, I, that would scare you about the Bengals offense from an opponent's perspective is that they don't have to just throw the ball down the field to Jamar Chase to beat you. They got T. Higgins, they got Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst is a pro, and oh by the way, they got Joe Mixon in the backfield. And the and the seasons that Joe Mixon has had, where he's put up top tier numbers with a subpar offensive line, even pre Joe Burrow in the in the later years of Andy Dalton, when he's when he's healthy, he's just as good as any back in football. And when he's healthy, and you give him an O line, that's why I picked him to be my offensive player of the year. I think there will be so much emphasis from opposing defenses to say, hey. Make sure number one doesn't beat us, that it will open up the ground game for Mixon. And if the offensive line will benefit Joe Burrow, you can only imagine what that offensive line will do to benefit Joe Mixon in the ground game. And we already know how good of a back Joe Mixon is, and this is when they had sub, sub part, sub uh, bottom tier offensive line last year where he was top where he was top five in the major rushing categories and even in 19 and 18 when they had a bad offensive lines in the final years of Andy Dalton when he was healthy no, uh, when Mixon was healthy not as, not uh not uh, Andy Dalton but I think the key is you know can the Bengal can the Steelers avoid the big plays the big plays killed Pittsburgh last season uh with with Chase and with uh, and with Boyd, can they limit the big plays? If you're Pittsburgh and you can limit the big plays, you got a hell of a shot. You need to limit the big plays on defense and force turnovers. And when and and not just force turnovers, put them on the end zone off of turnovers. Because eventually it's going to come. Because eventually, if you keep the Bengals hanging around enough, and the Steelers don't capitalize and put the ball in the end zone and match Cincinnati score for score, eventually Cincinnati. It's gonna. It's the proof's in the pudding. It's gonna come out and show that hey, eventually, if you don't capitalize on Cincinnati's mistakes and Cincinnati's shortcomings, they got the better team. Eventually, they're gonna find a way to win the game. And if from a Bengals perspective, you know, keep keep your proverbial foot on the necks of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have for the last three games, make it four and carry it into twenty twenty two. I want to see the Mitch Trubisky that I saw. On when Matt Nagy was uh what what was his uh was his uh was his coach in Chicago. I want to see the Mitch Trubisky that's turning over the football all over the place, barely has a chance. That's nothing to Steelers offensive line. Will Steelers offensive line be able to contain the Cincinnati uh, pass rush, which was very underrated last season? One of the major reasons what got them to the Super Bowl was their ability to get after the quarterback. To keep an eye on that as well. Patriots and Dolphins, I think, you know, with that game, it comes down to, uh, with the Dolphins, it comes down to, can Tua 
and Tyreek Hill and 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 uh, and and the, and the receiver uh, Waddle Waddle whatever his name is. Can they find the synergy? Can they find the chemistry? And can they beat? A, can they get the big play? Can Tyree, can can Tua Tagovailoa make the throw? I'm not saying it's got to be Patrick Mahomes and launch the ball 70 yards downfield and find Tyree Kill on the other side of the 50. No, but can they? Can he get the ball to Tyreek on the curl routes, on the on the short post routes, on the slant routes over the middle, and 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 the flat routes underneath, and allow Tyree Kill. And 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 Weddle to use their legs and use their run after the catch to to set up the Dolphins' offense to make big to make big plays and put the ball in the end zone. And if you're the Patriots, will Joe Judge and Matt Patricia uh, will they hurt? You know the issue of who's going to be offensive coordinator, who's going to be play calling, and whether or not that'll hinder Mac Jones's game. But it it wouldn't surprise me if this game, you know, first to score 17, 21 points wins. They played they those two teams uh, played each other week one of last year, and it was a defensive slugfest. We'll see if this if it'll be the same. Also, the Patriots going down to Miami, which has been their house of horrors uh, for a long time now in in the, in the Belichick era, and Miami instant. Now you rat now I don't know which one is worse. Would you rather go down to Miami in December when you're playing in cold weather and all of a sudden you get down and you're playing in conditions that your players haven't been accustomed to since training camp broke? Or would you rather play them in September where you still got that summer weather down there in South Florida and and it's not that big of an issue because you just broke camp and uh, and the weather is 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 warm all across the country? The temperature from Miami, in Miami, excuse me, at game time, 92 degrees. Threat of 33% chance of thunderstorms. So we'll see if the Patriots are going to be able to handle themselves in the Miami uh, late summer heat. As for the Kansas City Chiefs, excuse me, Kansas City Chiefs and the Arizona Cardinals. Kansas City, it's very simple. Can you offensively, are the Chiefs going? Are the Chiefs going to still be that same dynamic offense that you're going to have to worry about? That's going to have the threat of the going to have the threat of the big play. Sands Tyreek Hill. Is Mahomes going to be able? You know, when Kelsey's covered, when Kelsey's covered, and Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS ain't going to be able to get all. What are they going to do offensively? And can MVS and can Juju Smith-Schuster get open and be that aid to Patrick Mahomes down the field with big play? That's the bottom line. Can you get, can those two, I'm not saying be Tyree Kill, but can you help Mahomes and striking and uh, can you help Mahomes and creating the big play downfield when you need it, because if it's locked, because if the if because they can't get open, and Arizona limits them to these dink and dunk, you know, five three yard catches when they catch the ball, 
you know, it's going to be catch and then the man with the tackle, not catch and then dance around and then all of a sudden like Roadrunner off to the races like Tyreek Hill would be, you know, then, then we may have an issue. But will, they, but will they be able to have that chemistry and be in sync with each other in the opening game? Juju and MVS. And with the and with the Cardinals, you know, can Kyler Murray basically prove to America why he's worth the contract extension he got earlier in the summer? And will Cliff Kingsbury be able to manage a game clock and be able to call, you know, plays correctly and not basically fought around and and give the game to Kansas City when the Cardinals are in it late, like he did many a times last year. With the Raiders and the Chargers, this is going to be a very interesting game, and you can make a, you can make the argument maybe the best game on Sunday in the in the in the Sunday afternoon one o'clock and four twenty five window, because you know I'm excited to see the I'm excited. Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing if the Devontae Adams Derek Carr connection is going to be as lethal and as dynamic as everybody and their mother. Says and claims that it will be, and also will the Chargers secondary rise to the they, tough task? And I picked them to, and I picked them to have the number one. I picked them to have the number one seed. I picked them to, to get the number one seed and to win the division. I only have the. I picked the Chargers losing one game, one game all season long. So. I'm interested to seeing if the Chargers are going to be able to A, rise to the occasion, and B, how will the, all season long, and in the secondary, tough ask. Can I allow Devontae Adams walk up in there, 14 receptions, 149 yards, and catch two touchdown passes? No. You make, make the Raiders' lives a living hell. Make Derek Carr spread the wealth. Hunter Renfro, Waller, get everybody else involved. And with the Chiefs, you know, or excuse me, the Chiefs, with the Raiders, you know, can you can you essentially prevent the big play with Herbert? Stop the big play and be able to match uh, the Chargers touchdown for touchdown. With the Packers and the Vikings, Aaron Rodgers. Can you know? Are the will they be in sync? Will he and his young wide receiving crew? You heard, or you heard him call out, um, call out his young, inexperienced wide receiving core uh, to the media during the back end of training camp. Will you know? As that basically a sign, a, a sign to them to wake to wake the f up and to get with the program and start getting in sync, dropping. You know, will will they also be in sync? A lot of things, you know, with the Chiefs. The Dolphins, Raiders, Packers. It's all a matter of can the new quarterback, can the can the quarterback that's been there with the new wide receiver, can we see the work that they put in throughout training camp? Can we see can can it can the work they put in bear its fruit? I understand long season, but can we see a little bit? Can we see some developments of 
Kansas City might not be as uh, as as bad as as bad off offensively as I thought with no Tyree Kill. Can I see? You know, I hear about this connection as if Derek Carr and uh, Devontae Adams are going to be the next Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Can I see it against the top tier secondary and the top tier defense with the Chargers, with the Packers? Can I see? Can I see Alan Lazard? Can I see uh, Randall uh, Randall Cobb in the autumn years of his career, along with the young receivers? Can I see them step up to the plate and make Aaron Rodgers look good, and vice versa? Can I see Aaron Rodgers make them look good? And also, can that can the Packers defense that went out there and they invested in it a, a ton, especially through the draft? Can I see it be worth it? Going up against the Viking offense, you you'll probably see a lot more dynamic, a lot more, and they and their offense is dynamic already. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, for goodness sakes, with Dalvin Cook run, running the football in the backfield. But what, does Kevin O'Connell have any tricks in his bag with the new you know the the new uh, guy in charge for for the Vikings? And are the Packers going to be able to, their defense be able to rise to the occasion? And beat the challenge of that of of what of what could be a dynamic and high flying, high scoring Minnesota Vikings offense. And with the Bucks and the Cowboys, basically it's um, it's going to come down to this: can the Cowboys off can the Cowboys offensive line hold up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense? Will Dak Prescott essentially have a second and a half to throw the ball, and it's going to be out on and it's, and it's going to be on his ass? Well, well, how well, how well will the Dallas Cowboys offensive line hold up? Well, how well will they be able to run the football? Will they be a more balanced offense? Will Z, where Prescott's got to throw the ball 40, 35, 40 plus times a game. And when they run the football, it's going to go through Zeke, who I think, uh, you know, is, 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 is a, quite a few years past his prime. Or will they, or will they be smart about it and incorporate Tony Pollard more in the running game? Who right now is the better running back in that running back room compared to Ezekiel Elliott? And will they miss Amari Cooper with C with C D Lamb being the main guy? Remains to be seen. And also with the and also with the Bucks, how they how how their how their guards and their centers, how will they hold up against the Dallas Cowboy defensive front? And also uh and also Will the stuff with Tom Brady off the field with him having marital issues with Giselle and and the idea of him biting off more than he can chew, will that manifest itself on the field or will it be all systems go with Tom once it once it's game time? They those who delivered a delivered a classic as the kickoff game week one last year, we'll see if they can match an encore for it here on the Sunday night football uh season premiere. We take a break. It's time to pick these games. Not just these six, but the rest across the National Football League, and we will do so. The Emerson Like a TIS podcast.
Welcome back to the Metallica TIS podcast. Well, we have done it for I want to say the pre the previous four NFL seasons, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I love doing it. Um, do it every single. Uh, used to be Saturday, but then you know you realize you know. You know, who in the world is going to be bouncing around listening to this show on a Saturday when there's uh when there's college when there's college football on. So we move the NFL preview shows on a weekly basis to uh the ones that I do on the ones that I do prior to every NFL week, we do them on Friday. Um so at least give you the rest of Friday, whatever time I upload it. And then all set and then all Saturday and then uh Sunday morning for you to listen to yours truly break down the NFL. Um but we have a new NFL season upon us. We have fit we have uh what? Uh fourteen games on the docket here on this first Sunday of the season. The twenty twenty two NFL week one season in the league where they play for pay. Game number one between the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. New Orleans Saints favorite minus five and a half. Jameis Winston is back which means uh, plenty of good things for the New Orleans Saints. Tyron Matthew uh, making his uh, Saints debut. A uh, local kid playing for his hometown team. Their favorite minus five and a half. The Atlanta Falcons stink and will stink this year. I don't even see them winning uh, about three, three, four games. to ask them to win. Be a stretch, as I mentioned in the preview show. Uh, give me the New Orleans Saints to win this game by the final score. Of 24 to 7. We have the San Francisco 49ers minus 7. Favored against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Trey Lance making his uh, starting debut for the... Not starting... Well, starting his starting his first week one game for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, coming off of, of course, their NFC Championship defeat against the Rams. Chicago Bears, Justin Fields uh, opening up the digs there. Uh, not opening up the digs, but on the season at a Soldier Field. The 49ers are favored by a touchdown, seven points. Give me the 49ers to win the game in there and Trey Lance's week one, first ever week one start by the final score of 24-10. to 10. The Pittsburgh Steelers taking on my Cincinnati Bengals. The Paul Brown Stadium raising the ever, the first ever uh, AFC Championship banner in the history of Paul Brown slash Paycor Stadium uh, history. Uh, their first uh, home game since uh, their wild card victory against uh, against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Back in uh, January, their favorite minus six and a half. Give me my Cincinnati Bengals to win the game by the final score of 28 to 13. Philadelphia Eagles minus four. Their favorite against the Detroit Lions 
at Ford Field. A lot of expectations on both on both sides of the corner with both teams. Detroit looking to be better uh, than uh, last than last place. They're looking to improve after they after they were the flavor of training camp, flavor of the summer, and warmed America's hearts and hard knocks this past August. While the Philadelphia Eagles favorite minus four, a lot of people think that they uh, will take the NFC Eastern Division title from the Dallas Cowboys. There has not been a back-to-back NFC East champion. Uh, in quite some time, Washington won in 2020, Cowboys won in 2021. Um, I think Philadelphia is the best team in the division, although I do think that if Jalen Hurts plays like crap, this team is uh, this team is screwed. But I have confidence and have faith in Jalen Hurts that he'll deliver the goods, and I think it will begin it with a solid performance on Sunday. I got the Philadelphia Eagles winning this game by the final score of 31-20. We move on to the New England Patriots traveling traveling south, excuse me, to Miami Gardens at Hard Rock Stadium, taking on the Miami Dolphins' favorite minus three, the debut of Tyreek Hill. Intriguing AFC Eastern Division matchup between these two teams. Dolphins favored by a field goal. Give me the Miami Dolphins to win this game in a defensive and uh, a defensive affair by the final score of 17. 14 as uh, we move ahead and I cut off the music there for a second my apologies for that just a minute uh, one man show here there you go we move ahead and move along with the Baltimore Ravens favorite minus 7 against the New York Jets no contract for Lamar Jackson they Ravens they Ravens and Lamar failed to meet the deadline um, I again, as I mentioned earlier in the week, I know what the rave. I understand both the chords on this. Um, but if you're Lamar, you know, I understand you want to you want to secure yourself financially for the future. But with the Sean Watson being the outlier, you got to be out there and and either be that guy, uh, you know, winning playoff games. Lamar Jackson's only won one playoff game in his career, and or you got to get your team to the Super Bowl if not win it. And Lamar Jackson, great player, uh, dynamic player, fun to watch. But the bottom line is, facts, data, statistics show he's won and uh, he's won in three in playoff games. He's lost to the Titans at home. He's lost to the Chargers at home, and he didn't show up uh, when they put in, in the last playoff game he played back in 2020 in divisional round against Buffalo. So they will not reach the contract. I think this will work out to Lamar's advantage, and he'll go a la Aaron Judge, uh, bet on himself, uh, and uh, go scorch earth and possibly have an MVP season for the Baltimore Ravens. MVP, I I didn't pick him to win MVP, but if you told me that he won it and the Ravens uh, made the playoffs and he ended up winning the MVP, his second one would not shock me in the slightest. So it's a juicy game because of the Lamar Jackson contract thing, and it's also and then the other facet of it is because it's Joe Flacco playing his first game, starting his first game. Zach jump, Zach Wilson, of course, a no go with the knee injury he suffered against the Eagles back a few weeks ago in August in the preseason game. It'll be Lamar Jackson versus Joe Flacco. Ten years since Joe Flacco delivered a Super Bowl championship title for the Ravens. Intriguing game, a lot of storylines heading into it, but I think the Baltimore Ravens will edge it out in the end and beat the New York Jets by the final score of 31 to 
17. Jackson, this is another game that's got a lot of intrigue to it heading in. Jacksonville Jaguars going up against the Washington Commanders. This we said, where's the juice with this? It's Doug Peterson versus Carson Wentz. The two, the quarterback and uh, head coaching combination that were joined at the hip that looked to be the future for the Philadelphia Eagles franchise. Both went their separate ways. Uh, he is, uh, Carson Wentz is in Washington after last season with the Indianapolis Colts didn't work out. Doug Peterson, after a year off from coaching, uh, looks to uh, guide Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars to respectability and improvement within the AFC South. And it's also another intriguing piece is that the last game that uh, Carson Wentz played for the Indianapolis Colts was against who? The Jacksonville Jaguars. His first game as a Washington commander is against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Washington's favorite by field goal. I think this sneakily could be the best game of the weekend. Uh, but I do anticipate the Jacksonville Jaguars starting out this season 1-0 by the final score of, tw by a field goal, by the final score of 24-21. Washington favored by a field goal. You got the Cleveland Browns with Jacob with uh, Jacoby Brissett, not Sean Watson, taking on the Carolina Panthers in the Baker Mayfield revenge game down in Carolina. Favorite minus two and a half. I anticipate Baker Mayfield have a big time game by the fun, and I got the Carolina Panthers winning this game by the final score of twenty-seven to seventeen. Indianapolis Colts favorite minus eight and a half against the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, and Matt Ryan's day and Matt Ryan's day week one starting debut with the Indianapolis Colts favorite minus eight and a half. I anticipate big things for the Colts this year for them to win the division, giving the Indianapolis Colts to win this game by the final score of thirty-one to fourteen. The New York Football Giants head on the road to take on. The uh, a, the defending AFC South champion and last year's number one seed in the AFC and AJ Brownless, uh, Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry back. Ryan Tannehill's got pressure on him with Malik Willis uh, looking over his shoulder. Their favorite minus five and a half and Brian Dable's head coaching debut for the New York Football Giants. But the Tennessee Titans are a better team. Won't be as good this year, but compared to the Giants. They'll be just fine. I got the Tennessee Titans winning this game by the final score of 27-14. to 14. And you have the Green Bay Packers' favorite minus one and a half taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back, -back coming off of back-to-back -back MVPs. Kevin O'Connell's uh, head coaching debut with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I feel like this game could come down to the wire like it did last time these two teams met last November at U.S. Bank Stadium. Give me the Green Bay Packers to win this game by a field goal by the final score of uh, by the final score of 28 to 25. As we move along here with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Four and a half point favorites taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, uh, give me the Kansas City Chiefs to win to win yet another game here in Week One by the final score of thirty-one to twenty-one. Had to give you guys the dramatic pause pause there uh, for effect as we move ahead to the other four o'clock window games. Uh, with the Vegas Raiders taking on the the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, who are favored minus three and a half. 
Give me the Chargers to win this game. Uh, win this game in a shootout by the final score of 35 to 31. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers favorite minus one and a half going into Jerry Ward on Sunday Night Football. Tom Brady and the Bucks taking on the Dallas Cowboys. There, uh, of course, last time Dallas uh, played a game in Dallas, they lost to San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs. Tampa beat Dallas by a field goal in the thrilling week one game. That was the kickoff game last year. We'll see if they'll be able to put on a decent encore for us. I don't think it'll be as highly scoring as the previous matchup uh, was. Uh, I think D, I think scoring will come compared to last year's game. A little bit off a premium. Give me the uh, Tampa Buccaneers to win this game by the final score of uh, by the final score of 21 to 14. And the Monday Night Football game, a little bit of a letdown compared to the compared to the Sunday night game and a kickoff game we got on Thursday. But it's Russell Wilson's return to Seattle. I think he'll go scorch earth and drop 35 points on the Seahawks, beating them in an absolute. Uh, bloodbath by the final score of 35 uh, by the final score of 35 uh, two, 3 I don't see the Seahawks reaching the end zone with Geno Smith behind quarterback under any circumstances and those are your Denver's favorite minus 6 and those are your week 1 picks against the spread take a break We'll switch our attention to some baseball heading into this weekend to close out the program, the Amatelica TIS podcast. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Wrapping up the show, a little bit of baseball. Yes, it is still baseball season and a lot going on in Major League Baseball heading into this weekend. Three big time series to keep an eye on. From a baseball's perspective, you got Tampa and the Yankees going up against each other. The Yankees are 83 and 55 heading into Friday's action, uh, and the Tampa 77 and 58. Rasmussen is going for Tampa. Frankie Montas, who has been a lot left to be a lot left to be desired with him as a New York Yankee when he came across country from Oakland, going for the Yanks. Uh, the Yankees is five and five. Excuse me, have gone five and five in their last ten games. Uh, they lost a bad loss last night to uh, to to on two on Thursday night to the uh, Twins four to three, and what was a and what was a pretty decent series that they had against the Twins, where they always kill who they always kill. What else is new? They have a five and a half game lead against Tampa heading into this heading into this pivotal weekend series. Uh, this pivotal weekend series against Tampa. Uh, so if the Yank, so if Tampa sweeps the Yanks, just say, just uh, say, just for, just to throw it out there, uh, um, you know, uh, hypothetically, if Tampa sweeps the Yankees this weekend, that um, they have, uh, wow, that's it. This is the this is the finale. This is for all the marbles for. Uh, with between Tampa and the Yankees this season, they do not play. This is it. This, they do not play each other the rest of the season. That is it. And they and the final series they played against each other in Tampa. The Yankees lost two out of three where they couldn't hit. Uh, and they and they were only lucky to win last Sunday because Aaron Judge's MVP hit the ball out of the ballpark. But they got outscored by Tampa in that series. 
11, 13 to 13 to uh, 3 in that series. Yankees got out hit last weekend against Tampa. Tampa pays them the visit to the Bronx this weekend. If the Yankees want to shut down any chance of the of the of the Rays stealing the stealing the division from them, they gotta go out there and realistically speaking, sweep sweep the Rays this weekend. Sweep the Rays because that because after that because after this weekend. Uh, the Rays go up north to play Toronto for four games, get a little bit of a break when they play the Rangers, and then they got and then listen to this gauntlet to close out the season. Home against the Astros, home against uh, the Blue Jays for four games, and then it's on the road against Cleveland, and then on the road uh, to play the Astros September 30th through the second. And then they get the Red Sox to soften to soften it up to close out the season, October third through the fifth, uh, up in Fenway. So if the so if meanwhile the Yankees close out their regular season schedule against uh, after this weekend against Toronto, excuse me, against Tampa, they close they close out their regular season schedule with two two against the Red Sox in up in Boston. Three against the Brewers in Milwaukee next weekend. Home against the Pirates. Three against, excuse me, four against the Red Sox. Then three against the Blue Jays. Three or three against the Orioles next weekend. If the Orioles can get their head out of their ass and have something to play for by the end of this month, and then three against the Rangers. The Yankees have a much much softer schedule down the stretch than Tampa, who have to play the Guardians. The the Astros twice, and the and the Blue Jays twice, with with two easy series, uh, against the Rangers against the Rangers next weekend at home and against the Red Sox in Fenway to close out the regular season. Outside of that, it's 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 a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's doable. And if the Rays were to pull it off and essentially go. And essentially lose less than three games the rest of the season, it would not surprise me because that's just the type of gritty uh, team Tampa is. Um, but if they want to win the division, if they want to erase this fifteen game, uh, this fifteen game gap and steal, and that's what it would be, steal the division from the Yankees, they have to go out there and 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 sweep the Yankees this weekend. Not two out of three sweep. Sweep. Because from here on out, it it is not. These are not gimme games. Four against Toronto, uh, next uh, next work week, and then four against Toronto in two weeks in uh, Tropicana Field, and then throw in the Astros before that, and then after the Blue Jays series, three against Cleveland and three against the Astros back to back. That is that's not easy. Four and a half game deficit could turn could turn right back into ten come next week if the Rays don't take care of business in Yankee Stadium. But you know, from the Yankees, there's pressure on them. But with for the Yankees, all you got to worry about is take two of three from Tampa, and you should be okay. As long as you don't collapse and fold like a cheap uh, cheap tent against inferior opponents, majority of them the rest of the way through, 
Yankees, I think, although it'll be close at the end, they'll have the division locked up. But it all depends on how it all depends on the Yankees taking two of three from Tampa and Tampa sweeping the Yankees. If Tampa sweeps the Yankees, we got we we got we got ourselves an AL East race here going down the stretch. But they have to sweep the Yankees this weekend. They have to, and there's no better opportunity and no better get with it being the finals, uh, the, the the finale season series between these two teams. No better chance to do it because the Yankees have not been able to hit. Uh, they 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 take a, take away the twin series. Like I said, they got outscored uh, thirteen to three last weekend down at Tropicana Field. They somehow, some way, lost two out of three to the Angels in their previous uh, uh, West Coast road trip, and somehow split and lost uh, two weeks ago, Saturday and Sunday. They lost they lost the two weekend games to the Oakland Athletics. After they were abysmal throughout the month of August, seemed to get back, seemed to to wake up and look like the tides uh, had had been changed, and the good and the Yankees from the first half of the season were back when they when uh, when they avoided getting swept by the Blue Jays on August the twenty first and and swept the two game series against the Mets, and then it was, and they ran themselves a nice five game winning streak heading into the 27th of August, two weeks ago against Oakland, and then proceeded to lose uh, four, and then proceeded to lose four out of the last five, the remaining of the, uh, the, the, the remaining of their time in California, and then came in and then came back to the eastern part of the country down south to Tampa and got punched in the mouth uh, and lost games uh, one and two last weekend, Labor Day weekend against Tampa. And had an opportunity to, uh, and then had an opportunity to sweep the, uh, had an opportunity to sweep the the Twins right out of town, and then they, and then their bullpen collapsed down the stretch, and Carlos Correa uh, hit a big time homer in the, late in the game on Thursday night, and they lost to the Twins four three. So if you're the Yankees, and if you want to essentially damn near guarantee yourself winning the division, you take two or three from Tampa. No excuses, no questions asked. And if you're Tampa want to make this a race, knowing the tough schedule you have on the back end, you have, it is imperative that you sweep the Yankees this weekend. Imperative. Imperative. And then, which is a big time series in the American League East. And then, of course, and then, of course, with the, and then the Braves also have an intriguing series as well this weekend as they, it's an unconventional series, but it's a big time series nevertheless. As they have a three-game weekend series against the uh, 77 and 60 Seattle Mariners uh, this weekend, and this weekend first game starting. This is the Apple. This is the Apple TV game. So God bless you, Braves and Mariners fans, seeing your team playing sensational baseball all summer long. The Friday before the uh, Friday before week one of the football season, and you got to scramble to Apple TV to watch the games. I mean that's rough. Uh, but Seattle 77 and 60. Are currently uh, have a half game advantage over the Toronto Blue Jays for the fourth seed, uh, for the fourth seed and six six AL six playoff spot in the American League, fourth uh, excuse me second wild card spot second wild card spot fourth seed in the American League half game. Uh, advantage over the Toronto Blue Jays, five and a half game advantage over my Baltimore Orioles, who are on the outside looking in. I'll get to them in a minute. 
and are currently two games behind the, behind in a loss column of Tampa for getting that fourth seed. They said as the fifth seed, the fourth seed, fourth seeded currently Tampa Bay Rays, who have who currently hold the number one spot in the American League uh, playoff pitcher. Rays have won eight out of the last ten games, have won three games in a row, coming off of a a, a damn good series against the Red Sox, uh, who they always kill. Uh, and uh, as they or the Red Sox has been bad all season long, but Seattle with a coming off of a a bad nine uh, six loss to the White Sox, uh, their last time out big time weekend series uh, for them against Atlanta, as they as if from a Seattle standpoint you hope that the that the Yankees finally wake up and don't fall asleep at the wheel, punch the uh, Rays in the face this weekend so you can. Can eat can uh, get that number one, can get the first wild card from. Although the benefit uh, with get with uh, with Seattle staying where they are is that whoever the sixth seed is, they have home field advantage over the sixth seed. Where that wild card series between the between the uh, between teams five and six, the second and third wild card spot, the team that fin the team that gets the fifth wild card that gets the fifth seed and the second wild card spot has home field advantage compared to if you get the first wild card spot and the fourth seed, you don't in that wild card series best of three because you have to go uh because you have to go to the um you have to go to the winner of the American League Central, which at this moment in time of season were to end right now, spoiler alert, it doesn't, would be the Cleveland Guardians who heading into Friday's action against the Minnesota Twins in a must need series with them, uh who are currently again who are currently two back in the lost column of uh of Cleveland for the first place in the American League Central, one and a half back in the standings. Um, uh, they are currently, uh, they are currently, uh, um, ahead in the American League Centrals. They take on the Twins this weekend. Tampa would play them and would have to, and all three games would be, if the third game was necessary, would be in Cleveland, not, uh, in Tampa. Uh, so which is something to keep an eye on too. And also going back to the Mariner, uh, the Mariner and, and, um, and Atlanta series, Atlanta, who was running away with the number one spot in the national, with the, running away with the number one, a uh, wild card spot in the national league. If the season were to end today, they'd have to go on the road and play the three games in and play the three games in St. Louis. But the, but the advantage of that uh, winning the, uh, of winning the, uh, of winning the, uh, East is that you don't have to play St. Louis. You get the wild, you get the wild card round by, uh, you get the wild card round by as being the, as finishing with the second best national league record. And you also get to, uh, have that, uh, have that distinguished title of winning it, of, uh, of winning it, of winning your division. Of winning a division once again in 2022, as they currently uh, in the National League East against the New York Mets are a half game out of first place. Uh, the Mets have won. Uh, the Mets have hit a little bit of a of a rough spot here, uh, losing to Pittsburgh earlier in the week. They are five and five in the last ten games. They've won uh, two games back to back. And but the but the but the Braves, what a hell of a season they've had! They are just kicking ass and taking a sensational job. Brian Snitker, the manager of that ball club, has done a sensational job. Also by the front office, making sure that they lock up their uh, premier uh, position players for the next for, for the foreseeable future down the road. They are seven. They have won seven out of the last ten games. Currently running a seven game a uh, win streak heading into this series uh, out west against the Seattle. Uh, Mariners. So that series is is important for both teams. 
uh, the Mariners with their wild card race and Atlanta trying to catch the Mets, who are down south in Miami right now for the three-game uh, weekend series down in uh, down in South Beach. As far as the wild card is concerned, with the Blue J- with the Blue Jays and the Orioles, here's what it is. Listen, the Baltimore Orioles got straight up got straight up punched in the face this week. They got straight up punched in the face, punched in the mouth. They couldn't hit, and I'll break down, and I'll go ahead and take this time to moan and groan and bellyache about them right now to close out the show. I mean, they were just, they, they were embarrassing. They were embarrassing. They, I mean, and granted, you had uh, Jordan Lyles, who was, supposed to, who was supposed to start the first game of the doubleheader, got pushed back to game two. All of a sudden, three minutes before first pitch, nah, I can't go. I got, I got, I got dealing with flu-like symptoms. Throws the entire wrench to the whole thing. Bullpen tax, tax to hell and back. And they just, they were, they were just bad. They got out hit by Toronto in this series. And when I tell you this, you're going, you're going to fall off your chair. They got out hit by Toronto in this four game series. The Orioles scored seven runs on Monday, nine runs on Tuesday, and one run on Wednesday. The Orioles scored 17 runs. Okay, so you counting at home, they scored 17. You want to know how many? You want to know how many runs the Toronto Blue Jays scored in the series? They scored seven runs in Game One, eight runs in Game Two, six runs in a loss in Game Three, and four runs in Game Four. The Orioles got outscored by the Toronto Blue Jays 25 to 17. I am not making that up. They got outscored 25 to 17 in that four-game series. Toronto hit for double digits, 10 hits or more in every single and in, in three out of the four games in the series. The only game where they failed to score to, where they failed to 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 give to 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 hit 10 10 times or more was on Wednesday when they scored their season lowest four runs. And even then, they managed to score to to get more than five hits. They scored. They had nine hits in their win on Wednesday. Dean Kramer, uh, you know, average at average night at the office. Get Orioles gave up a three-run fifth inning, and that was all she wrote. I mean, this. I mean, they they were. They were not. They were. They were not. They were not. Uh, and that was Kramer coming out of the bullpen. My mistake. Uh, my, yeah, coming out of the bullpen, but five and a third gave up six hits, three runs, and walked too bad. I mean, the Orioles' season, ladies and gentlemen, is on life support. Caught, caught for what it is. Caught the way I see it. Their season, their 2022 season, their 2022 playoff hopes. Heading into this weekend series against the Red Sox is on life support. They have to go. Somebody told me they gotta go no worse than 18 and 7. I think with this schedule, I think they have to go 20 and 5. They go any le- they they lose any more than five games the rest of the season. Might as well forget it. They're already four and a half games. They're already four and a half games out behind Toronto right now, 
And you and you wanna know who Toronto plays the rest of the season? You wanna know who Toronto plays? They got this weekend against the Rangers. This weekend against the Rangers. And then Tampa for four. Well, actually a little bit more difficult than I thought. Damn, never mind. I had to take that back. They got they got the Rangers for three, which means the Orioles have to sweep the Red Sox. And it, yeah, they cannot. The, you know, I understand. You know, keep on winning series, but the way that this, but the way that 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 it's gone for the Orioles is that they've lost way too many games this season. Where yeah, they've won the series, but there was an opportunity for them to sweep, and they failed to do so. They left the food on the table. You know, the, I tell you. You say, well, John, why are you being so harsh? I tell you why. Because of because when I go back and see losses like when they had a chance to sweep Houston, they pitched well and couldn't take advantage with runners in scoring position uh, in the first inning against Justin Verlander, and it, and when they had a ninth inning rally, it was too little, too late. August twenty eighth. I look back at that game. I look back at on August the eighteenth, where they didn't show up until late under against the freaking Chicago Cubs of all teams. I look back when they were lethargic and then bother to show up uh, the day before that on August the 17th against the Blue Jays. I look back when they got perfect gamed until the ninth inning and it was too little too late for them to generate some offense when they got absolutely embarrassed by uh, by Drew Rasmussen and a four to one lo- and a four to one loss on on August the 14th or when their bats didn't bother to show up and they just were just flat as a damn pancake. Uh, McClanahan shutting them down. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. When they lost to Tampa the day before that Saturday on August the thirteenth, eight to eight to two. I mean, I I look at uh, I look at a whole lot of games in the month of August. You want to go back to you even want to go back to July where they inexplicably lost a series to the Cincinnati Reds. I'll be more than happy to do so. So you got, they lost a series to the Reds the last weekend series in July. They lost a game they should have, a game that they should have had, a, a game that they should have just blew them out. They should have just went to the ballpark, scored 10 runs, and called it a night against Chicago on, on August the 18th. They had a chance to sweep the Astros on August the 28th. They failed to do so. They had, they left food. They just, they, their bats didn't show up until late. On, on when they had an up that was really a series. They had a chance to sweep the White Sox and they couldn't when they lost the middle game on uh, on Wednesday, August the twenty fourth. Bats flat as a pancake. Didn't sh- they didn't show up to the ballpark on uh, when they had an opportunity to sweep Toronto on the seventeenth and they and they were just pathetic. Besides the first game on August the twelfth down in Tampa and they were path- and they were pathetic, pathetic against Tampa all season long. Can't hit. Uh, just pathetic with runners in scoring position, can't drive and run, striking out 90 million times. I mean, so you sit back and you say, well, Jai, do they really have to go 20 and, 20 and 5 to close out the season? Oh, you're damn right they do. Because the way that they've played, essentially from the Red Series, discounting the little five-game streak they had after the trade deadline, they the way that they've been playing and they've and how they've had opportunities to to either beat inferior opponents or sweep teams that they have on the ropes and they failed to do so they really don't have any more wiggle room for this two out of three stuff anymore where where as long as they win two games all's gravy they whether you know they win the first two games and all's gravy nothing to worry about in game three no because in times where the Orioles lose games that you can sit up there and say in theory they can afford to lose they can't. 
They lose games and the teams they need them to lose, they don't lose. So they lose ground. And when the Orioles do win games, the teams that they need to lose, they keep pace. Nothing changes in the standings. So they really have no margin for error the rest of the season. If they aren't, by the time they play Toronto a week from today, a week from this Friday, if they aren't heading into Toronto riding a five-game winning streak, you can you can you can sign seal deliver your playoff hopes until 2023. You can. If they are not riding a five-game winning streak heading into Toronto on Friday, their wild card chances, unless something catastrophic happens for the Blue Jays and the Manners to a certain degree, are they're finished. They're done. They're not making the postseason. See in 2023 in in, in February and March. No excuses. Sweep the Red Sox, who they've beat up on all year, and sweep the two-game series against the Nationals, and let's get ready to go to war uh, uh, next weekend in Toronto. Which, which, quite, which, even if they are right, even if they do end up winning a five-game, go five, go five and zero oh, uh, from from Friday on the ninth to Wednesday the fourteenth in DC. Their, their, the the fate of their season. Will hang will will depend upon how well they play against Toronto in Toronto the 16th through the 18th, and if they and if they pass that test pass pass that test excuse me and do well against Detroit and the Astros and the Red Sox and the Yankees after that, then the final series of the season October 3rd to the 5th will be for their playoff lives and at Candom Yards the final three days of the regular season. But in order for those three games in, in the first week of October to mean something, you have to take care of business in September, which means you beat the piss out of the Tigers, you beat the piss out of the Nationals, you beat the piss out of the White Sox, you sweep the Blue Jays just for morale purposes, you beat up the Red Sox, and then you hope by the time you play the Yankees for the final time in the Bronx, uh, two weeks, uh, no, uh, three weeks from today, that the that either the Yankees either have the division locked up so they're resting their players preparing for the postseason, or they're asleep at the wheel and they can't hit, like like we've been seeing from them for the last month. But they can't hit. I mean, and it's it's like they've regressed right back to where they were in August, where they can't hit, and when they do hit, they can't drive in runners when they have them on base runners in scoring position. And the starting pitching for, you know, has been at least dating, at least from uh, Sunday through the, through the Toronto Blue Jays series was abysmal. I understand they, uh, you know, Jordan Lyles threw a wrench in their plans because he was injured, but when you have to depend on Jordan Lyles as if he's the second coming of Jim Palmer, you have problems. Your bullpen is taxed, and what do they do? They serve up batting practice to Bo Bichette and Christian Kirk and get knocked all over the ballpark left and right. And knowing that they're starting pit, and knowing that their pitching was going was 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 going to be suspect, knowing that, I really don't even blame the pitching so much for Toronto. I blame the bats because the bats only showed up one time, and that was Tuesday night when they scored nine runs. 
They were dull as dishwater on Wednesday. They had a day to think about what the off day on Thursday, but I hope they they thought they thought long and they studied hard because their bats were embarrassing on Wednesday. And don't get me started getting blanked five nothing by the Oakland A's of all teams. Teams like the Oakland A's, y'all need to be sweeping. Period. Case closed. End of story. In May and June, you get a pass. In September, and we're still having the Sunday afternoon offensive letdown games where the bats just freaking just don't show up to work like they're operating under the Blue Law Southern Baptist circa Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 1957. We 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 got major major issues to address. That's when the panic button needs to be pressed and the sirens need to start going off. I've also had enough of this team just being asleep at the wheel and for that's a damn pancake and the offense not being able to generate any runs with these Sunday day games. Look back. They got blanked on Sunday. The Sunday before in Houston, they scored one lousy run. Uh, not counting the Red Sox win up in Williamsport that was on Sunday night baseball. They need to be playing on Sunday night baseball more often. Maybe they'll win more games on Sunday. The 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 week before that, the fourteenth of August, they scored one lousy one one lousy run against Tampa. Week before that, in Baltimore against Pittsburgh, they got embarrassed eight to one and scored one lousy run. The day before that, they could barely get the bat off their shoulders, scoring two runs, losing to the Reds. And then the Sunday before that, they got shut out against the they got shut out against the Yankees. They haven't, they haven't scored five runs or more in a Sunday day game since July the 17th, and even then they lost that game against Tampa. They haven't won a Sunday day game since July the 10th against the Angels. And that wasn't even a 1 o'clock, 135 game. That was a noon game on Peacock. The last time they won a 1 o'clock home game, you have to go all the way back to Father's Day. And even then they couldn't hit. They scored two runs and only and only got four base hits. This team historically also has an issue with scoring runs, offense showing up, being ready to play and being prepared and being focused and being locked in from the opening pitch for these 1 o'clock Sunday day games. Every single time I turn on there as flat as a freaking pancake with no baking soda with these Sunday games. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter if they if they win Friday and Saturday or if they lose Friday and Saturday. Sunday day games this team stinks. And it needs to stop if they want to be playing past October the 5th. It needs to stop. At this point, the formula for this team needs to be their starting pitchers, keeping them in games at least until the sixth inning, have the bullpen, good morning, good afternoon, good night, and and the offense, you know, give me more than one run, two run, three run shutout games. Every game needed to be give me at the minimum four runs. 
at minimum. And not always so much on the long ball either. Because they have also have played and won many games where they turn into the New York Yankees where it's long ball or bust. And if they don't hit the ball out of the ballpark, they don't score. And this is a team that if you look at it on paper, it aren't necessarily, you know, they got a couple guys that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. But their makeup and the way the team's designed, they're not supposed to be winning games that way. Sweet Boston. Uh, sweet Boston. Sweet Boston and then sweep the Nationals. And be, re- and be ready to play for something like your lives depend on it next weekend in Toronto. Because your season, Hyde and the crew, is on life support. Great season, exceeding expectations, be damned. When you're, at, when you're in the dance, in the conversation to make the playoffs... You got to be able to show up. You can't sit up here and be cute and be flirting with the playoffs. Then all of a sudden, you don't show up and be like, "Oh well," and go to the and go to the and give you and give the answer. Well, we weren't supposed to be there. Well, you're there, all right. Well, we're not supposed to be there. We weren't supposed to be here. Head of schedule, high, you know, exceed expectations. Yada yada yada. The bottom line is, it's September and you guys are playing meaningful baseball. In, in, in early September, you got over 70 wins on the season. Start acting like it and playing like it. Soon, quick, fast, and in a damn hurry. A feisty finish to this show. It's majority NFL, but hey, when it comes to my Orioles, you know, I done, done NFL doesn't matter. I, when it comes to baseball and specifically my Orioles, I'm a screaming shout when they piss me off. If you're new to the program... Like what you heard, please do not hesitate to subscribe, share with, share the show with your friends and family. Follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy week one of the National Football League, week two of college football and the baseball. Talk to you next week. See you.